This podcast was recorded and produced on Wuthering Country. We acknowledge the original custodians of the land and pay respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hi guys, Sean here from the Shaka Project. I just wanted to jump on at the start of the episode and wish all the mothers, all the grandmothers, nannies, aunties and stepmothers an incredible Mother's Day on Sunday. I hope you all have an amazing day. Thank you all for the amount of support that you give us for our project. But not only that, the support that you give your husbands, your partners, your sons, brothers, nephews in engaging that conversation and continuing that conversation around mental health. We've got such an amazing community here at the Shaka Project and it is made up of some incredible women and mothers and we are so grateful. So please enjoy your Sunday. You deserve the very, very best. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a very special one. Thanks so much. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. My name is Sean Weir. Uh, I've got a very, very special guest with me today and she's very nervous a uh, bit of a surprise guest that I've been teasing for a little bit now. Um, she's here for a very, very special occasion that is on this weekend, and that is Mother's Day. Hello, Mum. Hi, Sean. How, How are you? you? Uh, extremely nervous. Extremely nervous, yeah. I threw you in the deep end. I pretty much texted you half an hour ago and told you to uh, come in and put on your best frock, which you, do, you didn't put a shaka jumper on for me. No, sorry. This is still my house work yeah, here. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> So, uh, Mum, I want to have you on here. Obviously, it is Mother's Day this weekend, and uh, I thought it would be nice and fun to get you on and have a bit of a chat about um, a few things, uh, you know, maybe mother-related, um, you know, a few things that we went through um, as, uh, as kids with you and, you and Dad and, and Liam and our, uh, our life, which I say repeatedly is uh, we, we grew up with a pretty good... Pretty good life and pretty good um, parents, and I thought we'd go over that a little bit. I thought we'd have a bit of fun. Um, I think you might do a few things that might embarrass me. I might do a few things that might embarrass you. Um, but I thought we'd get on here for a chat. So firstly, Sunday, happy Mother's Day for Sunday. Thank you. Um, I'm not too sure what we're doing yet. I'm sure we'll, we'll do something. I'm but hoping you've got that organised. Oh, I, I don't. Um, we'll see if Liam has something organised. But um, let's go back to, let's talk about um, back in the day. Back in the uh, the good old days when Liam and I were little kids, and um, I think my first memories uh, were obviously Peak Street. Um, back in the day, where we we used to go out to the uh, sand pit and play out there, <laughs> and uh, I still remember that sand pit. But I do have a bit of a bone to pick with you with uh, with our childhood and in Peak Street. And what you say now? <laughs> that bone is to. The fact that I think Liam and I would uh, would leave home at about probably eight or nine a.m. Um, and we'd get home about six p.m. that night, and uh, we'd just run wild on the streets. Just run absolutely wild. Yes, you did. <laughs> we did. Yes, there was no taming either one of you. No, and I think uh, how times have changed because it's um, you know obviously we got Braxy and Riley, and I think Brax came to me and said I want to go for. I walk around Sebastopol by myself for, for seven hours, I'd, I'd probably be pretty nervous. So uh, obviously times have changed since then, but it was a, it was a great amount of fun. We had a lot of uh, a lot of great memories in that house. That chimney in the house, <laughs> I still remember that. Um, I still remember the uh, the bird that we had. Do you remember the bird that we had, Lucky? Yes, actually it wasn't our bird. It wasn't we, our bird. We were yeah. we were bird sitting it, and unfortunately it um, froze to death. Froze to death. So <laughs> it was named Lucky. Wasn't so yep, lucky. Wasn't very lucky. Um, so we're in Peak Street for a while, and then we moved out to uh, Mount Clear or Mount, Mount Helen. Helen, Mount Helen, which is where um, 
which is where Liam and I became war heroes. We used to play war in the bush. And again, we used to uh, go out in all hours and, and um, go out into the bush, which is all house, houses now and, uh, and estates and stuff. But we had great memories out there, the basketball ring, um, when Dad dropped the red gum sleeper on his thumb. I still remember that. Yes, yeah, he, he, was, still, he still carries the wound. He that. still talks about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had your, uh, no, it would have been your 40th, was out there in the, in the garage? No, that what was Dad's. After party, Dad's. Dad's after party. Yeah, a lot yes. of parties out there. Yes. Which another thing that uh, I still remember from uh, from Mount Holland is when we were out there for one of the after parties, and I think it was about eleven o'clock at night, and I walked in and thought I would uh, grab a soft drink, and I picked up a UDL, which I thought was a soft drink, and I sculled half it, half of it, only to see you staring at me on the other side of the room, giving me absolutely just bull-eyed dog ears, and scaring the shit out of me. Uh, me not knowing it was soft drink, and then uh, I think it might have been Uncle Anthony that uh, reminded me that that was alcohol, and I was about 11 years old. Well, I was kind of hoping you could read by then, <laughs> with all the education that you did have, that you would know the difference between was this soft keen? drink and alcohol. Yeah, no, clearly not. Mm. Um, so I got a lot of great memories out at Mount Clear, and uh, what, what, was, uh, what was your, you know, Liam and I were obviously angel children back then as well as we are now, do you not agree? <laughs> so I can speak freely? Yes, absolutely. Yes, okay. Well. So as we've always said, or as you've always drummed into me, Liam was always the favourite. Oh. <laughs> um, Liam, was, Liam was a great little kid, and so were you. You were, you were pretty good too, but you had this tendency, if you didn't get your own way, you would just spit it, and unfortunately everybody would know about it. Um, whereas Liam, Liam was very placid and he just accepted if, you know, he couldn't do something and, and that's the way it was. But as far as you were concerned, nah. I remember your eighth birthday in uh, Peak Street and you had quite a few friends coming over and all day, all morning, you just walked around and you sucked and sucked and sucked. You did not want to have anybody over there. You were just a horrible child. I just wanted to give you back there and then. Um, and then when your guests did arrive, uh, you slowly started to come round a little bit until it came time to the cake. And then you decided you didn't like the cake, so the <laughs> cake ended up on the ground. So, yeah, um, and Liam never did anything like that. Sorry. I'm starting Sorry. to regret this episode. I knew you would. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> but, look, I have a lot of good memories of Peak Street and of Manhattan. We did have a lot of parties and you boys were always involved. You weren't the type of children that just went off to bed at 7 o'clock. Um, you tried to stay up as long as you could uh, to be the cool kids and then you could go to school the next day and, and rave about it. Um, but no, it was, it was fun times, good times. I do remember that. I remember a lot of functions as well being put, uh, put under the table to go to, to, go to sleep. I mean, it might have been granddad's, it would have been maybe a 70th or 80th um, and uh, dad putting us under one of the tables and we just had a bit of a sleep under there while you and Dad cracked in a little bit more. Yeah, it was it's your granddad's um, 60th birthday and we took a blanket for you both and a little pillow and that was what he used to do with, um, he, with Phil, with your dad, years ago. So we put the little blanket and pillow underneath the bed, underneath the table and we just partied on. And you slept there like perfect little angels until it was time for us to go home. That's great. I love that. I yeah. think if I tried that with Braxy, he would, uh, he would absolutely crack it. Don't think that'd it. work. No. Not now. Um, no, but there are, there's some really great memories. And, you know, Ocean Grove was, uh, was a really exciting time for us. We used to go away all the time and, 
go down to the beach, um, a lot of fish and chips, a lot of, uh, you know, on the on the uh, boogie board and stuff with Dad and yourself and Granddad and a lot of uh, a lot of getting away. And I think we went to to Queensland a few times and yes. Budgie Boy when we went to Budgie yes. Boy that drove up to Sydney. Yes, that was that's um, where your grandparents were living at that yeah. stage. I have a good memory, which I actually relived with Jake a few weeks ago. Uh, and you may not remember this when we were driving through New South Wales on the road to Queensland, um, and there was one of those big signs that says reduce speed here. <laughs> and dad was driving obviously and we were in the back seat and it was it was sort of on a highway it was probably doing 100k um and then one of those signs came up and i did this with jake <laughs> in new south wales jake didn't find it very funny but i found it very funny waited till the very moment we got up to the sign and then reduced speed dramatically <laughs> nearly put liam and i through the windshield um but I thought that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and I tried to relive it a few weeks ago. Mm. It wasn't as funny. Wasn't as good. No, it wasn't as funny when you when you're not eight years old. But exactly. um, yeah, we had a lot of road trips and stuff. But um, you know, Sunday sports. Liam was never into the uh, to the Sunday sports. But no, the amount of Saturday mornings used to get up. I used to have to get up bright and early and and take you off to football. And I remember taking um, hot dogs in a thermos for you to have. <laughs> Which you would just cringe at now, um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of good times. Absolutely, and yeah. Liam was uh, he he loved saying this. He was into the uh, the real robots and yes. the, and the tech, technical sort yes. of uh, sort of stuff. The computer he would he would spend a lot of time on the computers and teach us all how to uh, how to make a hotmail. I remember when he fir- made my first email address, mm. um, and it took about an hour and a half to make it. Back then, it, it took a while, but um, he set us up on the on the computers and. The um, all the uh, digital side of of the house was pretty much all Liam, and it still is. Whenever yes. you have a, an issue with your phone, it, it's go to Liam, not yep. go to me. Yeah, he was always very clever me. with um, all the technical side of things, and and uh, yeah, to this day he still amazes me with his knowledge. Do you remember when he used to teach what they classed as an older crowd of people at uh, down at SMB? That I was remember part that, of his, yeah. Part yeah. of his schooling, yeah, and he used to love it. And the amount of compliments that he used to get from that as well was um, was pretty, yeah, mind blowing. Yeah, good Clever practice kid. for uh, mm. for when you're in a home. Um, oh, stop <laughs> it! <laughs> so <laughs> that's payback for the for the comment before. <laughs> so um, primary school, we both went to uh, Dana Street Primary School, which was a great school, um, and I think Liam was a pretty good uh, pretty good student. I think I was pretty good through. Through primary school, was you, I? Yeah, was pri- uh, primary school. You both were very good. Yeah, very good. Um, they were uh, they were really good times, and we had a really good uh, community there. It was I think I, I still know half the people that um, went to school with. In fact, in, you know, Josh McCotty went through five and six with him, and still you know best mates with him and Will Reardon and all those boys that we still catch up with. So it's um, we've sort of stuck around with them, and then went off to Mount Clear College, um, and this is. We were in Mount Helen for about how long were we there for? Well, about five years. Five four years. Or five years, yeah. Um, and so probably about year seven, eight, nine, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And then so it used to be an easy ride or easy walk or get a lift to uh, to school up to Mount Mount. Liam, uh, Mount uh, Sean, Clear. you never used to walk. No, used I to never. Always get driven. <laughs> always. We, no, we used. To, I Even do down remember. To the bus stop, which was just around the corner. I do remember we we did have to walk down to the bus stop, maybe three nights a week. And it was the worst nights of my week. <laughs> I hated it. It was so cold and it was probably about two kilometres. And every single time I got home, you'd be like, back in my day, we had to walk rain, hail, or shine. 
and we had to walk three kilometers to school or three miles to school and True. three miles back um but uh yeah we did get a lot of lifts back then <laughs> you do. Um, you still do sometimes. I still do, yeah. <laughs> so what uh, What will Liam and I like in uh, year seven and, seven and eight? We'll start early. Seven and eight, you were both still really good. Um, uh, Liam, was, Liam was always quiet, but um, in his defence, he was a bit of the quiet achiever as well. Um, yourself, well, you loved the fact that you are out there with girls, <laughs> which was um, no surprise really. And... Uh, it took you a while to sort of settle in because back then too, you were carrying a bit more weight. So you were a little bit more conscious of your appearance. Um, and that sort of started to tell its toll. Probably as the years went on, you started to get a little bit more conscious of that. Um, you attempted to play football. Um, <laughs> you did actually play a couple of times, but in all fairness, you probably spent more time on the bench than you did <laughs> on the ground. Um, but it, that's not the case now. <laughs> well, correct, yes. But again, that was back to your fitness level wasn't really crash hot back then. You did love your food um, very much. <laughs> um, and you loved the, the social, you know. It was more of a, you know, going to see the mates. I remember you had a fair at the, the school and you had bought, um, or I had bought you this white New York windshield, I think it was, and it was, you know, you thought you were pretty crash hot because you had this, you know, beautiful new windshader, which is now called the hoodie. Um, and you wore that and it absolutely bucketed down rain at this fair and you came home and I couldn't even see you because there was so much mud from one end of you to the other. Do you remember that? I cannot remember. I remember the fair you're talking about, but I can't remember that. And, you were t- and I said to him, what did you possibly do to get so dirty? And you said, well, showing off in front of all the girls. <laughs> I said, no, typical. typical. So you ended up having mudslides. Right. Along, you know, around in the footy oval or whatever it was, where the where the um, the fair was. So, consequently, that um, that top never ever came clean. Yeah. Okay. I can see how annoying that is now. Mm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So, <laughs> I do remember the fairs. I, I do remember the um, that I did love the the social side of school. And I think uh, I think you obviously you got that pretty early. Yes. And I said that in before in podcasts. Do you remember in year eight? I think it might have been year eight or seven. That I promised you that I would finish. Yes. Year twelve. Yes. Um, and uh, and that was one promise I wanted to keep, and I did love the social side of it, and that's probably the only reason I went to school and hated uh, every other other aspect of it. Don't get me wrong, I'd go back in a heartbeat right now if I could, but um, I was definitely there for mates and and uh, and you know hanging out and you know getting up to no good and mischief and and all that sort of shit too, but. Uh, I think you understood that from the start, which I th- which I think the fact that you, I wouldn't say you supported it, but you allowed me to do what I wanted to do, um, really helped me like make mistakes and uh, learn from those mistakes. And because you weren't the one to really, you know, kick my ass every single day, um, I, I was sort of taught to kick my own ass when I fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that was. Uh, really uh, important for me to get over things or get through things and, and sort of make myself better and, and do things a little bit better and be a little bit more mature because, uh, you know, I wasn't going to go home and get my ass kicked and then do it again. I was going to go home and, you know, get sort of some sort of empathy from, from yourself and understanding to the point of, yes, I understand you're doing it, Sean, but 
don't fucking do it again. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I think in all fairness to a lot of your teachers, you had a couple of teachers there that you really looked up to. Um, and the parent-teacher interviews proved to be quite, um, what's the word for it? Um, scary. <laughs> scary and, yeah, a little bit mind-boggling sometimes. I think this cannot be my son, you know, they're talking about. Um, but in saying that, a lot of them were um, very, uh, they said a lot of nice things about you to the, to the point where, you know, he just shows so much potential, but he just tends to muck around so much. And I knew that from the word go that that was always going to be the way you were. But I was just hoped and I lived in hope that one of those days that you would just, you know, see the light and see, well, you know, there is something more to just running around with girls and sliding light in the mud and, um, you know, trying to be the, the cool kid in the school. Well, yeah, <laughs> I did finally realise that. Um, and I, I actually remember I used to hide the uh, the notification for the parent-teacher interviews. Yes, so I used was, to find them. Yeah, I was petrified yes. and you always found them. And then I think as we got closer and as uh, I think it was probably about year 11, they started emailing you. Yes. <laughs> which I just couldn't stop. Yes. Um, yes and the, then the reports were emailed mm, as well. Yeah. So I used to hide the reports and just say that they weren't doing reports this year. I used to um, hide them too, Sean. I kind of <laughs> didn't want to read it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and uh, somehow they found a way to get it to you. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think... As I said before, that the fact that you sort of uh, you always a little bit understanding, and you know, obviously Liam and I were complete opposites of the spectrum. Um, you know, Most Liam, definitely, but it'd be boring if you weren't. Yeah, you both had your own little unique idiosyncrasies, and and you were yeah, you were yeah. good kids. Yeah, and I think we uh, we probably got along in that way because we sort of saw each other as as complete opposites, but at the same time, we were sort of best mates, so we could always you know go home and get along. Um, but then at school, he sort of had his group of mates, so I had my group of mates. It was very different. Um, but we always sort of looked out for each other and, and looked out for each other. But I think that probably went on to um, year 10 and 11, and that's when I obviously went downhill a little bit and and, um, and started to get up to a bit of mischief and stuff. But another thing that we, we did a lot in uh, year... Or I did a lot in year 10 and 11 is a lot of house parties. I'm not too sure, well, you will remember the house parties that we had. Um, but I was actually reflecting on these parties uh, with Gemma, with uh, Gem from, from yes. school. You love Gemma, I know. I do love Gemma. Um, shout out to Gemma. And uh, we were saying like how, how many we used to have, how frequent it was. Um, and every single time I bring it up, I, I think, how the hell did mum allow this to happen? Like, let me to just pretty much, it wasn't, wasn't do what I want, but let me have these parties and some of them got really out of control um and again i'll come back to the fact that you were at that point where you were understanding that um this was the person i wanted to be and this is the person that sort of i was uh expressing myself to be and if you flat out refused and flat out said no absolutely no way which you did obviously you did that to do that sometimes but um if you were my friend before you were my mother then i was going to be able to save a safer space mm. Um, and I think that was that was really rewarding, and a lot of people always back then and now, um, you know, said you were the best mum. And I think half my mates always, always used to call you mum um, because you. we used to you know come around and and just be a relaxed sort of environment. So um, I hope you know that how you know how much of a positive effect that had on me and on a lot of other people. Um, 
but it was really it was a fun childhood and and obviously you know i've spoken about before on the podcast it was it was fun it was a pretty rough time as well for myself and for you know our family as well um it was pretty shitty timing but um at the same time i think if if it was any different uh if there was any sort of well, we could go back. I wouldn't wouldn't change a thing. I don't think you would either. I don't think um, any of my mates would or anything like that either. Mm. Mm. Well, that's really nice to hear. And you said I'm not allowed to cry, but I may very well do. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, there were a lot of really bad times, and you know, when you when your dad and I broke up, that was a really bad time. It was extremely bad for, for and sad for you and Liam. Um, I was really conscious of that, and. There was one thing my mother used to say to me years ago was, you know, try to be kind to whoever is around you. No matter how hurt or how hard it is, you've just got to soldier on. And those words used to, um, used to, yeah, sort of give me the purpose to make sure that you and Liam were both okay. I mean, you know, your dad and I are still really good mates and I'm really thankful for that. Um, I don't think in the long run that... What happened with our relationship has affected you or Liam and our relationship or our relationship as, as a family. And that's something I'm really, really grateful for. As for the parties, well, you know, I mean, I I enjoy seeing my children happy, you know, and if it meant, you know, putting up with a few drunken fools and, and people, you know, uh, in the home and, and smashing bottles on my new tiles <laughs> and then smashing them and... And, you know, bits and pieces like that, I knew at the end that I knew where you were. And to me, that was more important than not knowing where you were. Um, yeah, so it was more that I, I loved having you all around. You know, your friends were very respectful in a lot of ways. And to this day, you know, I can still go up and, and quite proudly, you know, give them a cuddle or whatever. And, and you know, say it's great to see you and, and whatever it may be. But it's, um, yeah... They were really good times and, and, you know, we've all moved on again now and, you know, you're here and doing all this and, yeah, it was fun times so. though. Absolutely, it was. And I think it's um, it's credit to you and credit to, um, you know, anyone, obviously, that, that goes through a separation. And as you said, like, it doesn't... Um, it, it had a massive effect on us when we were younger, but looking back at it now, when you look back at it with, um, you know, with reflection, it's we got it pretty good you know we we still saw dad you know um after a while and and we still have a great relationship with him and um you know there was times where he, he you know lived with us for a while after that and, and all that sort of stuff too and um there's a lot of people that don't have that relationship that you and him have which is which is not only great for you two but it's great for Liam and I to to be able to see exactly and um, and, and I will always treasure that and I'm sure he does as well um, and I always, I've been a big believer that just because um, somebody else is not, you know, you're, you're not making it together, doesn't mean in this instance that your children need to suffer. Um, and you know, co-parenting can work. It worked for us, well and truly. And uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, we can. He's he's been back and lived with us a couple of times when he's had a few down moments. Um, and I'd do it all over again as well. I don't regret any of that. I've had a good life with with you boys and with the kids, uh, with you know, with uh, Phil and and now the grandkids and that. And it's yeah, it's pretty fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think one big thing that uh, I'm really grateful for as well back then was uh, I could always rely on you to be reasonably judgmental. So, you know, if I, if I called you at 6am in the morning and I was in a gutter, blind drunk at the age of 17, it was, I'll be there soon, not what the fuck are you doing in a, in a gutter, blind drunk with no clothes on. Um, and I think that's actually happened. And I think it happened with, with Liam as well. I think um, it was always very comfortable. And, and whenever I was in a situation where I wanted to get out of, um, where I didn't feel safe or comfortable or something like that, um, you know, I know a lot of my mates wouldn't even think about calling their parents because they know they'd get absolutely drilled, but I knew that I could do it. Um, you know, I've spoken about it before when, when, I was, uh, when I was arrested in Ballarat Central and you're the first person I called and you came and picked me up and took me home and made sure I was happy and safe and okay um, before we had the discussion and mm. before we discussed, you know, what exactly happened. So um, I think that's a really big uh, a, a thing that I'm very grateful for that I can still do that to this day. Um, if I'm ever in trouble, I can call you without judgment and and um, talk to you about anything. And that's probably something that I'm I want to uh, probably practice as well as a parent now. Um, and as I said before, what what your mother said to you about kindness, and I, I mentioned you in a podcast a few weeks ago, and you got very excited because you, you texted me and said, "Oh, <laughs> you, you do listen to me." Um, but I did mention how you you do say kill them with kindness and. There's probably a few people in my life that will say, oh, that's where you heard it from because I say that to them. So that's something that uh, you've definitely, uh, a gift that you've given me, not only that, but have that, having that ability to have that empathetic um, empathetic ear and shoulder to, to cry on and, and for people to talk to uh, without judgment. I think as a parent, Sean, you, um, and, and the majority of parents out there would probably agree with me, is that um, no matter what your child gets up to or what wrongdoings they've done or anything. Um, you'll always be with them in, in some form. You boys both knew from the word go that my phone was always on, it was always on beside my bed. Um, and, you know, for you to ring at two, three o'clock in the morning, and I know both you and Liam have, have done it in different times, um, it's nothing for me to, to, you know, to throw some... Uh, a, track you on and run down and pick you up so long as you were safe that's all I wanted to do was just make sure that you were both safe um, that you were out of harm's way and that you were home in your own environment then we'd get the details as to how you got into that position normally not till the next morning because you were pretty goddamn sick <laughs> um, or you know I just couldn't make any sense of either one of you so you know it would be straight to bed and let's talk about this tomorrow um, I think I've always tried to instill in, in both of you is no matter what the situation is, a lot of people say your, your mum and your dad can't be your best friends. Well, I like to think that I can be and that I am and that you and Liam can come and talk to me about anything and everything. Um, I never pass judgment. I always try and advise, give you my opinion and it's whether or not you take that on board is, you know, is what you decide to do. Um, as far as as um, trying to instil into your children that you know the closest people to you are the ones that you know have have had a big part in your life, whether it be your parents or your, your you know your good friends or whatever, um, they're always going to be there for you, and they'll always be there to pick up the pieces. And basically, that's what I've tried to instil in both you boys um, 
from yeah, from a very young age. And clearly it's done a little bit of good. It's done all right. <laughs> yeah, it's done okay. You've done a good job. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, no, I appreciate that. And uh, I think you were, you, you've also been a great motivator, although uh, I will bring up one thing. And I don't think I've ever brought this up with you, but I actually brought it up. I did a... Um, I did a presentation at a school a couple of weeks ago and uh, it was all about um, making an impact and, and leadership and stuff like that. And I went a little bit over, uh, you know, my high school years and, and stuff like that. But do you remember? Oh, gosh. I think Jake's probably the only person that's heard this story and obviously the people at the uh, presentation. Do you remember when uh, you went and saw a clairvoyant? Uh, this is where we were in Mount Clear. Uh, sorry, Mount Helen. And... Uh, you came home one day, uh, you came home, sorry, after the clairvoyant appointment and you sat Liam and I down and we spoke about it and you said, oh, so the clairvoyant said that um, one of my sons is going to do this and the other son is going to do great, amazing things. And I think you said the other son's going to do, um, do something and the other son's going to do great things. And you said that and then you looked at Liam and said, so Liam, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's going to be great. <laughs> and I was sitting there like fried shit on the corner going, well, fuck me. Okay, then. <laughs> Do you not remember that? I don't remember saying that, but quite honestly, Dale, if I'd said that, <laughs> it would have been directed at both of you. Well, I mean, that. you've both done, I'm very proud of both of you, of what you've done in your lives. But um, the, the reason I actually bring that up, it, it, was, it was, I mean, it was a, a very humorous uh, anecdote to what I, uh, what I went on to to say after the... Um, after the school presentation is that, you know, it was sort of like a, a cancelling me out sort of thing, but obviously it wasn't intentional. Um, but it did give me great motivation to to do things and become better because I always looked up to Liam from, mm. you know, since, since we were little kids, I always looked up to Liam, um, always, you know, tried to do whatever he was doing. Um, you know, I always told people that my brother's going to be the best architect when he went through that stage where he wanted to be the architect. <laughs> yes. um, best architects in the world, and he was the best IT person in the world. And then, um, you know, I'm all, I'm, am now and, and always have been very proud of him. Um, and I always wanted to, you know, obviously it's hard with being the youngest. You're trying to sort of jump up in that shadow. And, and as you said at the very start of the podcast, he was your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, they, were, it was we, they were your words many many years ago <laughs> yes it was yes. Uh, so it was a it was a bit of a pinnacle moment for me I have always remembered that moment not in a negative way at all it was more of a in a way that um, it sort of gave me that little bit of a push to because I knew what path I was on I knew that I was on the path of absolute self-destruction and yes, you were. Um, I was on the path of you know not going to school to learn and, and just getting up to absolutely no good so um for your mother, your your brother, who was your hero, to sort of sit there and say, "All right, Liam, what are you going to do? What you're going to be this massive success that makes a massive impact?" It actually made a massive impact on me because mm. I was able to think, "Okay, well, fuck you guys." <laughs> so it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> so let's let's give this a crack then, and and maybe it's um maybe this path that I've on on now for self destruction isn't the one that I'm actually meant to be on. Um, so I've been holding on to that since I was. Fucking eleven, maybe. But that's okay. So, but it worked though, didn't it? Well, it because it got I, you motivated. You hey, <laughs> you meant that, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it got you motivated to to turn your life around because you were you were on a path of destruction, and and no two people are the same. You and and Liam are so so very different, 
but yet so very close too. And that's something that um, that I'll always, and I'm sure your dad's always going to be proud of, that you're, you're both so close and you can go to each other about anything and everything. But you're two different people. Liam was, was travelling the right path. He was following his passion at the time. Um, and I think you had an inkling of what you wanted to do and, and how you wanted to go about it, but you just needed some sort of guidance and you just needed somebody to say, well, maybe that little bit of negativity that, that I gave you feedback on from the clairvoyant was enough just to get you um, get you off your backside and, and get moving. I actually wanted to be the uh, the full forward for the Western Bulldogs. Yes, but I know that. As you, po- <laughs> as you pointed out at the start as well, I was I spent a lot of my time on the bench that so I did in the forward. <laughs> yes. So uh, I thought after that that I may have to try something different. But, um, yeah, and I think that was a great motivator for me. And I said in the, this presentation as well, throughout, uh, throughout school I obviously... Um, wasn't the best student, but I always did have that want to be better and do better. Mm. Um, but again, it was it was the social aspect. You know, I enjoyed that side of it more, and um, and that's the stuff that made me happy. And I think uh, you know when I found this fitness stuff when I was in year ten and and started going to the um, going to to TAFE for the course, the first course that I did, which was the uh, I think it was certificate two in in recreation or something like that. Was that the one um, in Geelong? No, that was one in Ballarat. The okay. Geelong one was Cert 4. Um, so I started, do, started doing that and then started doing the Certificate 3 in, at Sebastec. Um, and then in Year 12, I did the Cert 4 in right. Fitness in Geelong. Um, Over the school holidays, I might add. Oh, that's Which really impressed you. How is commitment? I oh, know, yes. right? Um, and I used to catch a bus up every day. Didn't have a license then? No, didn't no. have a license. Yeah, how about it? Yeah. Um, so I started doing that, found my passion, and, uh, and then I think probably the best thing that I did there was, was you know, get, getting through high school, again, was something that I promised you I would do, um, and I didn't do any of the, uh, the scored tests or anything like that, and again, that's another thing that we were able to sit down, and, and you weren't the kind of parent to say, well, no, what's the point of going to school when you're not going to try and get an ATAR and go to uni? wasn't important um, to me. You just wanted me to, to do what made me happy and mm. you knew that you know the fitness stuff that I was doing made me happy so you were very supportive there. Um, and then left school or finished school um, and then opened SWF out of your garage. Mm. Which yeah, was... That was interesting. That was interesting, <laughs> that wasn't was it? That was very interesting. So it was uh, a lot of mornings of getting out there and, and training clients in the garage and having to move your car out and then... Just back, backpedal one little minute. Oh, here we go. There's a lot of mornings of Fuck. dragging you out of bed oh, yes. at 5 a.m. to be out in the garage ready for your 5.30 client. Yes. Yes, yes I slept in a bit. Yes, you did sleep <laughs> in. I don't And then you would go to back to bed after that all gone and I'd well, have to get up and go to work. I was busy, you know, mm. work for an hour and then go to sleep for seven hours and then... Yeah, exactly. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't very busy. Yes. Um, but no, that was, uh, that was a really positive thing for um the start of my passion because you know we were able to put something together a little bit of a home gym and and train clients out of there uh and i think a really big part of my fitness career was um having the support was really really tough because it was you know all my mates were off doing apprenticeships or jobs or and stuff Mm. like that um so they were they were reasonably you know financially stable and had you know hours and all that sort of stuff um, but I pretty much went from school to trying to run a business, which I had absolutely no idea what to do. You know, I, I 
could hardly run a school schedule and then I'm trying to run a business um, and I had absolutely no idea what to do. You know, social media was very young, so there wasn't much sort of social media advertising. You know, we used to do newspaper articles. <laughs> remember that? Indeed, yes. Um, we used to go on the radio, do a fair bit on the radio, which was uh, pretty successful back then. I, don't, I think it's, uh, it's all a little bit different now. Um, but we used to try and do every little bit just to sort of grow the business and take risks and, and stuff like that and always had you in the corner. Always we had, had magnets you. made for your car, remember? We had car magnets. Still, we still got them. Still on the fridge at yeah, home. Still yeah. on the fridge. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did every little thing that we could just to drum up business. And we got to the point, it was, it was reasonably, or it was, it was very busy. And it was, um, yeah, it got to the point where I was out in the garage majority of the day training clients. And, mm. um, you know, I was pretty happy sort of 18-year-old, 18, 19-year-old, 18, um, you know, running this business. And one thing that I could always rely on was that, you know, you had my back, whether it be a positive or negative thing that happened that worked at work that didn't work that I failed at that I've succeeded at um there was always you to either pump me up or or um you know bring me back down to earth when I was getting a little bit too ahead myself mm-hmm. which may have happened a few times it did. um <laughs> but uh I think that was a pinnacle moment if I can look back at you know I've been doing PT for 11 years now um and those probably three or four those first three or four years were probably the best three or four years um in terms of you know how exciting it was obviously since then opening the other gyms and stuff is extremely exciting and I absolutely love it but um you know just a really really little things like I remember when I first opened a business bank account and I was mm. like whoa I know. what is this it was um, scary. and then you know got my ABN and I was like what the fuck is an ABN like I didn't know about any of that stuff. Um, While you were having your woe moment mum was having her oh my god <laughs> How's he going to eat? How's he going to survive? And I d- this, there's little things that I didn't know about and, um, you know, all these little business things that we used to tick off the list and, you know, I, m- I remember I used to write receipts for people, for PTs, <laughs> yes. in a little receipt book. Yep. Um, yep. And then I used to go to the bank every Friday and cash that and, you know, I'd have to do all this bookwork stuff. And I was 19 and, and all this really, really exciting stuff that used to happen. Um, and I thought that was the real world until I hit the real world mm. um but it was really really exciting and and as i said before always uh always supported by yourself and everyone else all the family and friends always supported my my ventures um and then we sort of expanded on and uh and went to the uh went to Ma- Ma- uh, Street and got the gym um that was in 2000 and uh what was that 2015 was it 15? 2015. So six, it was actually six years, a couple of weeks ago. Okay, yeah. Um, and again, massive support and always uh, always backing me up. Did you find, <laughs> this might be a, a tough question, did you find um, throughout those years, uh, I was always very conscious conscious of, um, of you know, obviously everyone that starts a business is always, always, scared to fail and always scared to not succeed at something um and you know i when, when we first started the gym you know that was my biggest fear that it was just going to go under and obviously it was probably a big big fear for yourself as well but did you see a big change of the person i was from when i was 17 18 to 21 when we opened the gym um the change was gradual um, when you were working from home, um, you were very, you're still 
pretty flippant about the whole thing. I mean, it was something that you love doing and you love seeing the clients and, and um, you know, to be quite honest, there were quite a few clients that you didn't even worry about charging them because that was just what you enjoyed doing. Um, I remember having several chats, if you could call it that, about, you know, you have to follow through on these, you know, if they're going to be on a regular basis and, and rah, rah. So the transition from the garage to the, um, the gym in Mare Street, to me that was um, uh, terrifying as a mother because, and I guess too, as having, I mean, I'd been in the, the financial industry for 20 plus years and I had seen how businesses open up and within the first you know, six to 12 months can quite easily fail. But that comes back to uh, the person who's operating that business as well. You went in there with a real passion. You went in with your um, your goals set. You used to set goals nearly every week or every fortnight. You'd have a, a, a whiteboard stuck on the back of your door in the bedroom and, and you would, um, you know, you'd put your goals for that week and it was never really money motivated. It was just what your goals were. There was never really dollar figures attached to it. And I think to this day that's never been a real concern for you. Um, it was just what you wanted to do and you wanted to instil that passion and um, enthusiasm in the people that you saw. So I remember when we went to sign the lease on the premises and it was for three years, I panicked. And I said, can we just have it for one? And you looked at me and you said, no, Mum, we need it for three I said, okay. So with a deep breath and, and, you know, a little bit of um, apprehension about the whole thing, you signed the lease for three years. And I think signing that lease, you grew up by about 10 years because you then knew that it was no longer working at a mum's garage. I wasn't going to be there every five minutes to, you know, to, um, you know, bring you a drink or, or do whatever, that you had to do this on your own. And it was up to you to make it work. And as I think I drummed into you quite a few times, you know, a lot of business fail within the first seven years. If you get through seven years, you're going to succeed. Um, so the passion that you had back then, as you still do now, um, is what I think really made the gym work. It wasn't the flashiest gym in the world. Um, there were lots of things that needed doing, but you took the risk um, in more ways than one. Um, and, you know, your mother was home having a little heart attack, but that's okay. Um, you took the risk and, you know, there were lots of times I thought, oh, gosh, is he doing the right thing? But you know what? If you don't take those risks in life, what's the point? You know, you, you've done it, you've taken the risks, and it's paid off. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it was, I, I do remember signing that lease and I remember you looking at me going, hmm, <laughs> Are you sure? I actually think it was, I think that first lease was five years. Correct. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And you I think we just make it for three. One and yeah. uh, and you, you asked if we could make it for three. But yeah, yeah that was, uh, I think I did the calculations in my head um, about how much it would all be after the five years. And I, I yeah, my anus tightened. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I was quite nervous. Oh. Um, but... Again, it was uh, it was a really big moment for me, and it's it's something that I'll never forget. That first first signature on um, on the gym and, and getting that first key and our open day and all that sort of stuff is is one of the best memories I've had in the last eleven years for the uh, for the first gym. Um, and I was probably, you know, well, obviously this is um, a, a Shaka project 
you know, uh, podcast. So we'll, we'll touch a little bit on the, um, the mental health, but I think opening that was a real game changer for myself because it did give me that confidence after all the shit that I went through um, with, uh, with my mental health to actually continue on and find, uh, or not find because I've already found my passion, but continue my passion and stuff that makes me happy. Um, and it really did do that. And every single day that I was, um, you know, I was, I was getting up and going to the gym, I was genuinely, you know, passionate about it and I loved every single moment of it. Mm. And, um, I think it was a bit of a lifesaver and to have you and, and Liam and, and dad and everyone else in my corner was, um, was a massive, massive motivator to keep me going every single day and, and write those goals. And as you said, the goals were always, um, mainly focused on what, you know, things that would make me happier in the, in the, in, throughout the day. And that's I think right. that's probably something that I still focus on now, which is super important, but let's rewind a little bit. And obviously we, um, you know, there was a few times, there was a, a few years there where, um, you know, there was mental health issues with myself and, mm. um, you also went through it, um, not only with yourself, but with dad as well. Um, and I, I've brought this up before. I think one of the be- best gifts that dad ever gave uh liam and i was when he sat us down and he told us about depression um and i still remember the conversation i'm pretty sure you were there and he uh all he said was that dad's sick he's got a sore head um it's it's nothing on you it's nothing on your mum nothing on your brother um sometimes he'll be happy sometimes he'll be sad and this is the situation Mm. and you know, he said, this is what it's called. It's called, it's called depression and um, I'm taking medication for it. And it's something that I've, I've never forgotten and all through high school I never forgot about it. And the moment where I started to, um, you know, see really, really, you know, dark days and, and feel pretty, pretty, you know, pretty shit about myself and um, going through all these, these things and feelings and stuff, I could automatically identify exactly what it was. Exactly, and um, I was so grateful for that to be able to identify it because that's something that we have a lot of issue with now with a lot of people is that they think, oh, maybe I'm just going through a shit week, or maybe I'm just upset that this happened, or um, or it's just been a rough week. I'll be fine next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had that that minor education from from when Dad sat us down and told us about it to be able to go and seek help and go and talk to somebody, and that's exactly what I did. And um, yeah, I was on medication for a, a, a quite a while. Um, now, do you remember that conversation we had about the medication? Yes. I'm going to bring it up again. You yes. can't cry again. Yes. Um, and if you've listened to, uh, there's been a few podcasts where we spoke about this, but this was, again, another big moment um, that uh, that I had that I'll never forget and it just goes to show that kind of parent you were, the mother you were and friend you were, are. Um, but it was... It was uh, a day where I was, I think we were going to the snow. We were You're going, going skiing. To, yeah, for going a skiing for a weekend. And uh, packed my bag. And this was. Excuse me. I think I might have packed you, your you bag. probably packed my bag, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this was probably four years into um, you know, me going through some really, really tough times. Um, I feel, I think it might have been only maybe a year and a half, two years after uh, I was arrested and, and all that mm. sort of stuff happened. And. Um, you know, all the attempts and, and just really, really tough times. And I was obviously on medication and mum knew that. I think mum and probably my partner at the time were the only people that did know that. Um, and no, no, and uh, anyway, you packed my bag, correct? Thank you. And uh, just before we were about to leave, 
um, you whispered in my ear, have you got your medication? And um, you sort of did it in a way not to bring it up too much to, to my partner at the time. Obviously, she did know, but you know, bring it up. But you asked if I brought it and I said, oh, I've actually been off it for six months. Mm. And as I've said before, you, you're a bit of a crier, but I've never seen you cry so quick. Yep. And um, that was a really big moment for me because it made me realise that, uh, you know, I always knew that I had you in my corner and always knew that you were, you know, my be- biggest and best supporter. Um, but when I did safely get off the medication and I went and saw people about getting off the medication, um, I didn't tell you for the only reason I did, didn't think it was that important. And when I told you and I saw you get so emotional, I thought, okay, now I can understand why it was so important. Mm. Um, and that was a really big moment for me to reflect back on and, and think about the last four years that we've gone through and, and all the sort of shit that happened um, and be really grateful that, one, I was still there um, and I still had my family and friends, which, you know, there was a few moments in that four years where I nearly lost family and friends. Well, I did lose friends. Um, so to be able to sit there or stand there and say that I'm off medication and by no means meant that I was cured, but I was better. Um, and to see you get so emotional was uh, was something I'll never forget. Mm. I remember that very well, extremely well. And I also remember too, um, the times that you went through were, were just absolutely horrific and I had an understanding of what you were going through because of your dad. Um, and I knew that he had, you know, was... Um, a manic depressive and he was still going through it and he was on medication um but we you know we had a lot of um a lot of really rough times there and a lot of times that I had to um kind of bite the bullet and and make decisions that I didn't like making um but that was in your best interest and I'm sure you understand that now um and I guess when when somebody's suffering depression, it's not just them that are suffering the depression, it's the people around them as well um, because them being down is is going to have some sort of impact on the people that are closest to them. Um, and then that impact sort of, you know, rolls into, well, you know, what what else can I do? What can I say? You know, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? All those sorts of things go through the people are there that are there to support you, um, and when that person who's got depression doesn't give you much um, feedback as to, you know, how they're really feeling and and you know if they are coping and and things like that, well then you, you do sort of start to doubt what's the next step. I think talking about things is obviously the most important. Um, and getting those sorts of things out in the open. As you said, not many people knew because back then it was, you know, it was something you never really discussed. Thank goodness it's something that everybody discusses now, openly. Um, But, yes, the day that you told me that, I I mean, the tears were tears of joy. Um, They were also tears of fear because I thought, oh, I reckon with medication like that you need to be, you know cutting down not just stop altogether so that was a doubt I had in my mind and thinking I hope to goodness you've done it that way the proper way um and hoping that by you stopping the medication that you had given it a lot of thought and without questioning you because if there's one thing you don't like doing is questioning people about their depression you know you can listen to them but you can't question or doubt that they're that they're actually going through it 
So I guess one of the things was I was concerned that you had made this decision not just off your own bat, but you had spoken to somebody else, not me or, you know, somebody professionally, um, to wean yourself off them. And when you reassured me that that was the case, that was a big relief. And I do remember also hearing um, there were a couple of talks that I've been through too with you and quite a few things have come up in those talks that you've given to uh, different organisations and um, things that I knew nothing about at the times that you were going through a really bad, bad situation. And I guess that sort of question, you, may, you question yourself as to whether or not, you know, were you really helping because you didn't know that that person was going that bad, you know, and, and things had got so bad that, you know, I think one stage there and you've spoken openly about it now that, you know, you try to run into a tree, you know, um, things like that that I never knew about. And as a mother, I should have known about it. But I guess it comes back to you can only help if that person wants to be helped as well. And back then you clearly didn't want to discuss that with me. As I said, I've only just heard about it recently, in the last but 12 months, two years. Um, and, you know, I look back to those times and, and think, well, yeah, I, I can understand why you were doing what you were doing. I just wish you had felt comfortable enough to either speak to me or Liam or your dad or, you know, somebody about how you were feeling to the point where it was going to drive you into a, a tree. Yeah, I think... And that's something that your mother doesn't want to hear in front of, <laughs> you know, 300 people. Um, but, you know... I did and I accepted it and, yeah, and we've chatted about it since then. Um, yeah, and I get it. Yeah, I think at the, at the time of when that happened, um, you know, there was, there, there was absolutely no way that I was going to tell you or tell Liam or, or anybody and I didn't actually tell anybody until probably about four or five years after. Mm. Um, and it wasn't anything to do with, you know, being embarrassed or anything like that. It was more I didn't didn't want to scare anyone. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be um, me going for a drive, com- you know, always connected with. I hope he's okay. Yep. And that was that was my biggest yep. thing. And um, it was probably something that you know when it did come out it, it, in the, that very first podcast I did a couple of years ago. Um, I think it came out and then. It's obviously come out in talks and stuff like that as well. Um, and I didn't want me going for a drive always be associated with that and it was something that I didn't want um, that connection there and um, I think it was it was something that I wanted to keep really really personal for a long time but obviously starting the Shaka project um, I thought that it would it could it could sort of help out anyone that's been in the situation before that's you know been sitting on the side of the road and mm. and um, and is going through those, uh, you know, those thoughts, and it's a very, very scary moment, obviously. But I think if back then I had some sort of thing in my head of I'm not the only person that's going through this or, or has gone through this, um, I think that I would have made maybe some better choices and um, be more comfortable with with talking about it if I knew that some other people were going through it. Yeah, and this is something we speak about a lot with um, you know mental health is that. The best thing that we can do is is get people talking and talking back to that person. So if that person um, is opening up and, and they're able to hear someone else opening up, 
it sort of um, it justifies their feelings in a way that they don't feel crazy. And mm. I, I know that I felt that a lot when I was um, when I was younger. I thought I'm fucking losing my mind. Like I'm absolutely losing my mind. Everybody else around me is completely normal and happy and 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 fine. Um, and I've just lost the plot. In reality, that wasn't the fact. That wasn't the case at all. And you know, if we sit down and speak to people. And people are open and honest and say, hell, actually, I'm actually feeling pretty shit myself too. Um, and we found that with the Shaka, you know, when we were able to have discussions and, uh, you know, even with, with Jake and Graham and Andy, we were able to talk and, and if I'm saying I'm actually feeling pretty shit about this situation, um, one of the other boys are saying, you know what, I'm actually feeling pretty shit about mm. the same thing. Or, mm. um, you know, I've, I have the exact same feelings or I have the exact same thoughts. Um, it makes the person feel a little bit less like they're alone. Um, and I think that back then, obviously, mental health awareness back then was, was slim to nothing. Exactly. Um, and the only awareness I had of it was from what Dad taught us. And yep. you know, we always had discussions about it at home. Um, when it came to Dad and, and you know, even Liam and, and yourself. So the, the, the gift that you know you guys gave me to be able to firstly you know think about it and talk about it and um and seek that help was obviously the best gift of all uh and then i think to sort of uh you know pay it forward we can continue the conversation and put all these stories out there uh so people would know that if they're in that same situation that they're not completely alone yep exactly because um, it's a pretty pretty fucked up feeling yeah, it's it's a shocking feeling, and and you know I think anybody would be telling a bit of a porky if they said at some stage they weren't feeling really sad or down and out about something or a situation or you know their um, I don't know the relationship or whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, the the best thing to do is obviously just to chat to whoever's going to listen. Um, and I guess, too, it always comes back, and I'm a big believer of it's not what you say, but it's how you say it as well. So if you're sitting there listening to somebody, listen to them. Don't talk back to them, but just listen to what they've got to say. And um, I think you'll find that, that people open up a little bit quicker um, and with a bit more um, intensity, and then you'll understand exactly what, what they're happening, what's going on with their lives. Absolutely. Allow, yeah. them, to, allow them to express <laughs> themselves. Yep. Let's get on to some happier notes. You are a grandmother now. I certainly am. Well, you have been for a while now. Yes, I have been. How do you love that? Love it. Love, love it. it to bits. You're a very popular nanny. Oh, thank um, you. And Only uh, because I give them treats. Well, I was just about <laughs> to say that. And I think it's, I don't th- even think it's just uh, nanny, but Aunty Trine as well. Because uh, I think... All the cousins know that whenever they go, even all the uncles and aunties know <laughs> that when they go to your house, you'll have that little glass thing. It's like a, was, that, was that your mum's, that, that lolly jar? No, 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 it wasn't actually. Well, no. I, I am inheriting that. <laughs> um, okay. That little glass thing with the wooden top, the lolly jar, is mm. always full. Yep. Always. Yes. Um, for lollies or, or uh, snakes, mostly snakes. Mostly snakes. Um, but, yeah, all the grandkids know that uh, when they go to nannies, it's uh, eat whatever you want. Um, and there's always food in the cupboard. In fact, I've come over a few times just so I can steal food. A few times. A few times. Maybe a few more. A few uh-huh. more. Um, well, it's, it's, it's easy to go to your house and go to the supermarket and cook. Sure, sure. <laughs> so I'll just come to your house and steal some steaks. Um, but no, the, the, the kids love you. They love going over to your house and... 
and uh, are hanging out watching um, watching YouTube and, and Netflix or or eating lollies for uh, for days and playing with their with their room full of toys. But looking back, obviously you always knew that you were going to be a um, uh, grandmother or grandparent nanny. And nanny sorry grandmother it makes sense oh, doesn't it um, but uh, did you expect it to be obviously there's a bit of probably a massive difference between being a mother and being a nanny um, but uh, what have you found has been the most amazing thing about being a, a nanny grandmother nanny <laughs> I think the most amazing part about it is looking at your grandchildren and um, seeing your own children in them. Um, you know, the, the the three girls all look exactly like their their father, exactly like. Um, and even down to the mannerisms, you know, with a few of them. Um, they're right. just, they're all so precious to me. Braxy's been in our lives since he was three months old. Um, so I still class myself as a nanny for Braxy. Um, and then there's the three girls. Uh, I always thought one of my sons would have a boy, but that, that didn't happen. So hopefully down the track it still may happen. Um, but yeah, being um, being a nanny, just you, there are no words to describe how you feel, and that's going to get me teary. <laughs> they are the best, the best thing to come out of having your own children. Um, you know, you, you love your kids to death, but when you've got these little people that, that come up to you and give you a big cuddle and, and kiss and, you know, and they love having their sleepovers and, and things like that, that in itself is just so special. And I never, ever want um, my grandkids not to be able to feel at home when they come to my home. You know, they, they can run amok. Sure, it takes me a while to clean up afterwards, but they can run amok, they can do what they want to do. You know, we can go... We do lots of things when they do come, and that time to me is is really precious. Mind you, at the end, sometimes it's nice to say bye. <laughs> um, but it, it is it is a, um, a very, very special, special time for me, and all four um, are very precious, very precious. They are, and I can... I can just I know exactly the the ones that will be making the mess. I think <laughs> a little princess Lila or or even uh, or even Evie and uh, Princess Riley would would be the uh, dominant mess makers of that house. I can imagine. Um, little Lila is just a placid little <laughs> girl. She just loves to sit there and talk to Nanny. Um, Evie's just a bit of a whirlwind, and Riley. Well, Riley's a bit like her dad. If she doesn't get her own way, <laughs> she um, she cracks them. So, you know, and Braxy, well, he, he just sits around. He's quite happy so long as he's got YouTube and, and watching, you know, card card games and, and all the rest of it. So they're all very, very unique in their own little way. But in saying that, they've all got their own special little um, special little bits. Yeah, yeah. And they definitely, I know every single one of them absolutely love coming, coming to nannies. And uh, mum and dad definitely love giving them to nanny every now and then just to have a little bit of a break. So uh, you might get a call up this weekend, actually. Um, Sorry, away this oh, weekend. Oh, it's Day this weekend. Um, <laughs> can't do that then. Uh, but no, they, uh, they absolutely love you and you're, you're an incredible nanny, um, incredible you. mother. Uh, I don't think there's, there's much more we can, we can really go into in this, uh, in this chat. 
uh, I think this is almost going to be our longest podcast ever. Oh, um, which is uh, which is pretty amazing. But uh, before we go, happy Mother's Day again. Thank you. Um, thank you for being such an amazing mother to myself and to Liam, uh, and being all so supportive of, of everything that we've ever done, everything that we've succeeded, everything that we've failed at. Um, you're always there to uh, to pick us up, kick us in the ass, and, and um, you know tell us to keep going, which is an amazing trait and um, so, something that we're we're both forever forever grateful for that we can um, we can have a best friend as a mum, and uh, we love you very very much. Thank you. Happy Mother's Thank Day. You. Thanks, Dom. Love you too. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of the mums out there. Um, mums, grandma, grandmothers, nannies, stepmums, whoever you may be. Um, hope you have an absolutely incredible day. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, please give this a share and a rate. It really does help us out with our uh, podcast reach. So thank you so much and we'll see you next week.